Welcome into the Bad Fans. Sports are back on the menu talking about the Premier League, and this is the place to hear about all your favorite things from a point of view that may go against the grain of a normal fan. Like I said, today is all about the start of the English Premier League and the drama found in the world of soccer today. There's so much of it. Just a a lovely spread of drama in the world of soccer. And we'll begin your bad fan journey right now. It's made easy by subscribing and clicking the bell below this video. That way you're always notified to see new episodes like this one from the bad fan. And getting started, I am your host, Cole Carter, and I'm glad you have tuned in with us. I'm joined by my good friends and yours, Brandon and Steven. Gentlemen, how are we doing? It's good to see you. Welcome back. I'm doing well. Not a great first week in the Premier League for my squad, but I cannot say the same for you two. Yeah, a little bit of a flying start. It was concerning in the first 20 minutes, but things, predictably for me, I predicted them to win 4-1, turned around and uh, stampeded over Southampton. Steven, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Tottenham won. It's going to make the relegation we get a lot more infuriating. But, you know, first weekend, we're league champions so far. Nothing but confidence from Steven, as always. My guy, I love it. <laughs> um, well, we'll start the day with some fresh transfer news and updates uh, from across the world. Uh, lots of them coming down as the deadline approaches on August 31st, I believe. Um, the Premier League started. La Liga is getting ready to kick up Serie A, um, but some moves being made. Brandon, you want to kind of dip your toes and get the people updated on maybe some big ones that they need to know about? Yeah, there's a couple here that I'll mention. Damsgaard came to Brentford for 16.7 million pounds from Sampdoria in Italy. Um, Damsgaard, if you don't know who he is, he's shown in the Euros um, with Denmark, I believe is who he plays for. Um, absolutely wonderful player to watch. It was He was so great in the Euros. This could be a coup for Brentford. I don't know if he'll adjust the Premier League well, um, but I hope he does. I still have them getting relegated, though. We'll see how that goes. Uh, another one... trying to secure some of that same Christian Eriksen magic from him? Yeah, and honestly, he's a lot younger than Christian Eriksen. Um, Frank... Is his name Thomas Frank, the coach for Brentford? I think has a has a liking to the to the Danish players. So we'll see. They they did really well last year. We'll see if they can do it again this year. That's a really really great signing though for them. Um, I wanted to point out Timo Werner back to Leipzig. Who saw that one coming a year ago? From Chelsea. Yeah, so odd. You know, I'm really surprised no other Premier League teams were were in on him. Um, I could have seen him going to Man U. Hell, he could have gone to even like a West Ham or um, I don't know. Like, there's there's just teams that I think that could have benefited from having Timo Werner on their team. Said he goes back to Germany, which I'm sure he'll tear it up again as he once did. And the last one before I pass it to my main man, Steve. I'm going to point out Connor Cody, defender from Wolves, going on loan to Everton. Um, that is an interesting move. Isn't Connor Cody was or is the captain of Wolves? Was their captain, um, is in the English national team, you know, on the fringes, sort of like Tyrone Mings. But a veteran defender, Wolves is sort of in a, you know, sort of tip to be in that relegation fight. I don't know 
what that means for Wolves. I'd be afraid by that move. Um, but it is a great signing for Everton, um, who Villa plays this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Connor Cody was on the bench um, in that first game Wolves had this season. So the yeah. move was rumored and it happened. I want to highlight. I want to take you back to FIFA 2015. 2016. Oh, hey, by the way, my camera's just going to be coming off this episode. Um, <laughs> FIFA 2016, Brandon's talking my ear off about this guy named Renato Sanchez on Swansea City. This dreadlock Portuguese mastermind is moving to PSG from Lille. He was supposed to be the next big thing. Um, his career's had a topsy-turvy kind of trajectory. Um Again, I say starting from Swansea, um, and now he's now he's made it all the way to PSG, the likes of playing with Messi and Mbappe. That's insane. That's absolutely incredible. In fairness to him, he did win the league title with Lil over PSG, so he did have some success thus far. This and is won a Euro with Portugal. And this success has landed him on the same team as the goats of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. That's really exciting. Uh, a signing that I didn't see coming out of anywhere that also didn't. It's hard to figure out value now in today's market, but is Mark Cucurella uh, moving to Chelsea from Brighton for $60 million? pounds that is a high price tag and he goes and gets an assist in his first game with the blues it was a bullet into the box um but yeah that's that's a signing that his hair is bigger than mine and that man can run up and down the wings i remember (laughs) when tottenham has played him that guy just can't stop so it's kind of refreshing to see a player even though coming from a small team um not a lot of hype really around cucarella uh going for a high price tag so that's crazy. And then the last one I want to touch on me personally is a guy that I thought would never leave Real Madrid and Isco signing to Sevilla on a free. Isco, vamos, Isco. <laughs> vamos, vamos. Well. And you know, talking about Cucurella again, uh, his former employer coming in to beat Manchester United. So even without Basuma and Cucurella, they went in and took care of business. So Brighton might might uh, make some noise this season, even without those two big players. We'll have to see um, what happens down the road. But talking about Manchester United, oh boy, fellas, there is something going on <laughs> with Manchester United. Brandon, what would you describe it as? <laughs> what would you say it is right now? In a different scenario, I might use other words, but it is a crap shoot at the moment. Um, and it sort of has been for the past year with Ralph Ragnick. And we talked about it last year, last season, and it has bled into this year. And it is honestly, it is tough to watch. I love it for the drama and the new, the headlines every single day. It's amazing, but it's just so tough to watch. We have a couple man, you fans that I, that I've been texting. I'm just sort of po- not poking fun, but just asking them to see their thoughts. And they're just, they're all over it as well. They're just, they're done. They're done with it. <laughs> and I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, coming into this season, we've had massive question marks with the appointment of Eric Ten Hag, 
towards the end of the last season, him finally actually taking over in the summer and coming in the biggest question mark being Ronaldo. What is his situation? He showed up to the training camp late. He's benched for the first game and their loss to Brighton, which was two to one. And now PSG are in talks with Marcus Rashford. What is that one looking like, Brandon? I don't know. I know Rashford's um, representatives were in France, uh, in Paris, talking with PSG, but I just can't see this one happening. (laughs) However, if it does, Man U will definitely get a good price for him, but they cannot afford to lose Marcus Rashford right now. (laughs) They cannot. I don't know, Steve. Can they? Can they? Uh, They didn't have him last year, so at least not on the field with the statistics. So that might be the kind of realm of thinking uh, that Man United ownership is at. However, the man is so beloved in Manchester off the field. I don't think it's a good move. I mean, what was it two years ago? This was like one of the highest valued players on paper. Like people saying, yes. oh yeah, he's like 150 million plus dollars worth of value. And it's just now he's suddenly been relegated to the bench or just maybe not even playing for them anymore. So I don't really know where the truth lies with this situation. I still think he's too talented. I think it's still there. He's still very young. Um, If Ten Hag doesn't see the future with them, then I think we talked about Timo. There should be Premier League teams wanting to swoop him up, I would imagine. Now, Manchester United may not be willing to let them go, let him go to those teams, but... If you don't want to let him go, then figure out a way to get him back on fire because when he's on, he's hard to stop um, with his speed, dribbling ability, um, but apparently his finishing abilities has not been in the past year or so. And so this is why we see PSG link with him, which again, I would find unlikely because where is he going to go? Unless they see Messi leaving, um, that would be the only thing I can understand if Messi goes back to Barcelona, which in itself is a situation we'll cover soon. Um I just don't know why he would land in Paris when the situation in Man U probably fits his playing needs better, if I had to be honest. Um, Manchester United is also apparently close to a deal with someone who looks like Steven again, um, Rabio, uh, coming from Juve. I think he's nearing the end of his deal, has about a year or so left um, for a reported 15 and a half million pounds. Um, Steven, what are some of the pros and cons of a deal that would involve him? Oh, I got you right here. The pros are the for the Juventus fans that it will be pouring wine on his exit. Um, <laughs> and the cons are Manchester United will be getting a Manchester United signing. Um, it's it's almost carbon copied. It's hilarious. <laughs> Rabio is not what's going to make this team better. Um, it's just kind of like, oh, you want to make another mistake? Here's a guy named Rabio. Um, all kidding aside, though, this is a guy that's underperformed at Juventus, hasn't been um, in his prime for some time. A player that Tottenham recently was linked with a, couple, a few years ago um, to come into the team. And he's passed his best. Um, he's not somebody, in my opinion, he doesn't know the Premier League. I think that also needs to be thrown out there. He doesn't know the Premier League. To hold it down in the middle of the park for Manchester United, I think me out there, we could do a lot of the same thing, which is be poor. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I, I don't think it's a sign that they need. It's, I don't get it. It's probably going to be a high wage and it's going to be copy and paste. Um, I like Fred more. I like McTominay more. I like, hell, I like Andres Pereira more, uh, who recently made the move to Fulham. This is a guy that is in his prime that's going to demand a high wage. And I personally don't think it's going to offer a lot. So again, Juventus gets him off the books. So that's a pro. Um, and it's a Manchester United signing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it goes through. Brandon, yeah. what do you make of it? I was going to say, if it happened earlier in the transfer window, like it almost like was meant to happen, I'd have more confidence in the signing. Now that they're sort of the end and desperation is kicking in for Man U, and it's, it's very obvious, which is, again, sad. Um, this is not the move you you want you want to make uh you don't just want to be throwing money at players when like steve said you have mctominy who i think rabio is definitely better than mctominy but like to what extent like would you need to bring in a new player and embed him i don't think all of that effort is worth at all <clears throat> worth it at all however i will say he's cheap and there's relatively r- low risk he's a france international he's six foot two he's left footed and he's in his prime um but in that, it's also a con. He's in his prime and pretty mediocre as a soccer player, especially to Premier League standards and Manchester United standards. Um, he's not a creative midfielder by any means, but he's also not a defensive midfielder. So what does that mean? Right? He's just like an eight. He's not a very great one. How did he play for Juventus, Juventus all these years? If you could answer that question. Oh, he has not really. Yeah, he has. Yeah, so. Well, <laughs> well, how is he on the France national team? I don't know that either. So, look, I I think they need to stay away from this. Supposedly, I read that Man U's representatives are talking to his mom because his mom is, like, the one that gives the okay. Um, not to say that's not cute or whatever, but. It's kind of like my mom. Yeah, come on. It's, like, it's professional sports. Let's, come on. You probably don't want to be dealing with that. So leave Rabio in, in, in France or Italy or wherever he wants to be. Don't bring him here. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Manu does. Who else are they linked to right now, Brandon? I don't know much about this guy, but he has a pretty good track re- record. Cody Gakpo, I probably butchered that name from PSV. Um, he's rated as about 35 million pounds pretty good investment for a winger who's never played in the premier league he's 23 years old uh get this though last year alone 21 goals 14 assists in all comps that you know that that'll jump off the page and so do they need a winger maybe um can he play striker I don't know. Steve, do you know? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's just so funny. When you said, do they need a winger? And I just think of who they have in Rashford and Sancho. And But the answer is yes. Like They, they have Alanga still, who was uh, yeah. pretty good for them last year. It's just so funny. I can't help but think. I was like, would Daniel James make the first team sheet in this squad? Like, probably. I don't know. Like... It's just, I, I think this would be a good signing though. Um, I think it's a good signing. So <laughs> I don't know if they'll get it over the line, but I think this one's a good signing. Well, if the three of us together could become Eric Ten Hag, put our brains together 
and we could do it some way. How could we solve Manchester United's problems? Beginning with, let's say, the striker position, what would be some good options and what would be a good way to turn it around? Because, you know, when I start thinking about Manchester United signings at striker, you have Cavani, Ibrahimovic. Uh, let's not forget the poor signing that was Igalo. Igalo at one point was supposed to be the signing at striker for Man U. So at this point in the transfer window, what is even an option that they could bring in to help bolster this squad that really needs some help up top? Um. I can start. One name that has been thrown around, not even for Manchester United, I don't think at all, but sort of floats around in, in the transfer rumor sometimes, is a guy named Patrick Schick. Um, really good for his national team, but plays for Bayer Leverkusen in Germany. He's 26 years old. Last year, he had 24 goals and five assists in 27 games. Absolutely amazing. The year before, he had 13 goals and two assists in 36 games. So he's sort of growing into his prime, which you do like to see. Um, the only thing is he probably costs upwards of 45 million pounds. It could be more um, depending just because he's coming off his best year yet. And I also don't know what Bayer Leverkusen is going for this year, to be honest. So and they made a Champions League spot, maybe. I don't know for sure. Maybe Europa League. They're always usually in that that realm. So they, they won't be willing to sell him, I don't think. So I think you would definitely have to go in higher than 45 if you're going to get him. But I think he would be worth it. Um, a good replacement for Ronaldo, even though I don't really think you can place replace Ronaldo. Um, he's still young, like going into his prime. That's who I would go and buy yesterday if I was Manchester United. So, Steve. Steve, if you could turn back the clock in a transfer window, who would you pick for Man United striker? So, a few, I don't know. It's, this might be something crazy. And the only reason why, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, is Leicester City seems like in a selling mood. And in a rebuilding time, I don't know. Um, and it's hard. You see, here's the thing. It's so hard to put yourself in the mind of a Manchester United chairman, owner, whatever you want to call it, because it's it's just doesn't make sense. So my funny shout here is uh, Jamie Vardy. I don't know. <laughs> English knows the league, can score some goals, and I think appeases the masses while you build. And this is assuming the Ronaldo exit, right? So Jamie Vardy, though, low wage, low ch- like, I don't. I think Lester moves them off the wages. Maybe I don't be know. Cheap. It would be cheap and has done nothing but score goals in the premier league. I think that would be something fun. You might go out and get uh, a young striker behind him. Um, maybe this is your new Edison Cavani, but English. So we all know how, you know, premier league teams love their English. My real big shout though, that maybe I think of Milik from Mar- Marseille. Um, Andres Art. Kadius Milik, that's his name. Anyways, <laughs> he's the milkman. Um, and scored a ton of goals from Napoli back in like 2019, 2020. I believe like 18 league goals in Serie A. Um, big upfront striker guy, 28 years old, very, very cheap, but he can still move. He's got legs, big and physical, and I don't know. This Manchester United team doesn't want to spend money, so it's really hard, honestly. You can't just go and say, 
striker XYZ. Like, go get, I don't know, Holland. Obviously, real quick, which is funny about Manchester United were so close on signing Holland, but they didn't want to sign a really have a release clause built into his contract the way Dortmund did. I don't know. It's just it's their front office just doesn't make any sense. Even if you present them with logical signings, that's why I'm throwing out Jamie Vardy. Maybe <laughs> maybe this Polish striker Milik that was good two three years ago. You know, maybe Memphis Depay comes back and you play a false nine. I don't know. Maybe you move. Marcus, yeah, like Obama Yang. Look, Obama Yang is supposedly on the block. That's the thing. Everything is is you have to decide, I guess, where your building blocks are. Ralph Ragnick said it best: "This team needs ten signings, <laughs> ten, and they let eight players leave this transfer window and have signed two. <laughs> I Sorry. think they loaned one of them out too. By the way, yeah. So I just, I just. I don't know. You you ask the impossible, honestly. Which I've heard that quote before coming from Antonio Conte coming to Tottenham. He said the same thing, similar to Ragnick said, you know, this, the squad needs to be overhauled and look at what Tottenham has done, you know, bringing in six, seven, eight players that are trying to build for the future and to win now. And I think even looking at what happened with Darwin Nunes going to Liverpool, it's just indicative of Man United's inability to be a player in the transfer market and this, their failure as a club to revolutionize their identity right now. And it's just been abysmal for a couple of years. You know, you've had some good run-ins with Solskjaer coming in second, I think in 2019, I want to say yeah. it was. And, you know, that was close to the same team as the past, like the next couple of seasons. You brought in McGuire, uh, I think in the 2019, 2020 season, whatever, but it's just, I still don't even know if it was Ragnit's fault, if it was Solskjaer's fault. I think it's just somewhere in that locker room, there needs to be a change. And I've heard this all the time on the media and people talking about, man, you're talking about the dead weight of the club. And you guys just said they let go of 10 players. Well, they haven't done anything to bring in new players. And so if they're not going to invest in the club, then I just don't know what you can say about the club. Yeah, they're going to go downhill and they won't be a title contender. They won't be a top four contender. They might not even be a European contender this year if they can't get their act together, especially with what's going on with Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo's the one that's got, yeah. you know, he's sort of running the show, it seems like, right now, and Ten Hag's trying to play tough, playing him on the bench to start the season, but you're going to bench him all year if he gets past the transfer deadline? I just don't think you can, and so um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next with. Ben and United. real quick on that striker position, and that's about Ronaldo. That's why it's so important that he doesn't leave. Like you have Ten Hag playing hardball, starting Ronaldo off on the bench, but then you sub him on at halftime to win the game for you. It it it's it's a chicken shit move. Like honestly, like you. Oh, like he gave this big speech up in the media of like, yeah, people need to show up on time and people need to do this and this and this. But Ronaldo plays by a different set of rules. And so you might say that he's not exempt from that. But then when you sub him on at halftime to go and win the game for you, that's what you were doing. And so Ronaldo won that that standoff. And, and so you move him on or you start him, in my opinion. You don't have the luxury to play around right now and play Christian Eriksen in a false nine. 
Like that's it's oh, la- it's laughable. It's laughable. That's like and if so, you and I start clicked on FIFA and opened it up. We're like, oh, let's play Ericsson for fun. Like who does that? Yeah, it's so yeah. I think many as far as as we get out of the striker position, you you keep Ronaldo. You have you to keep play him. him too. You keep you Ronaldo, and you have to play him, and you have to swallow your pride because you can't sign every single Ajax player. Yeah, I mean, what are even the viable options in the midfield to help this Man United team? Are there any, especially at this point in the window? I don't know about this point in the window. That's what we have a month left. Um, so I think because nobody likes Fred and nobody likes McTominay all of a sudden. I don't think many people have in- liked Fred, but McTominay people have liked. It seems like all fans are just sort of like, they're not good enough for Man U. Um, well, I don't necessarily fully agree. I think they have they could play a spot or play a role on the on the squad in the squad. There are better players out there for maybe cheaper or <laughs> the same price that you brought them in for. Steve, how much was Fred? Forty million. Yep, I remind Tyler Arnold of it often. <laughs> so it's I kind of like Fred. He had a good season last year. Yeah. So, but do you think like? The first person that comes to mind, and I actually said this to a couple of our friends, they should have went and got N'Golo Conte like the first day the transfer window opened. They should have went and got him. I think N'Golo Conte might be on his last year of his contract. Like, go and get that dude. Um, you have him for two years, maybe. Sign him to a two-year contract. He's one of the best holding midfielders in the world. He will do a job for you. He's twice the, the defender Fred is. And didn't um, play a lot last year for Chelsea either. Yeah, exactly. He had a down year. So you probably could have gotten him for relatively cheap. His wages would still be high, but hey. Um, and then there's some uh, another guy that they've always been linked with but haven't gone for in the holding midfield position, Ruben Neves. Oh, my God, would he make them so much better. He would, he, I, he would make them so much better. He, like, is the best player on Wolves, and I think the best player by a long shot. Wolves. He is so good. I would love to have him on on Villa, to be honest. He's that good. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, with N'Golo Conte, I feel like it'd be hard for Chelsea to let go of him. I think at this point, I think Tuchel's sort of turned around on how he feels about him, maybe. Um, So he might get that extension. We'll see. But you make a great point, especially we talked earlier such a brief mention of Wolves and what they might look like on the table, they they might be underperformers this year. And if they are, you know, getting what they can out of Ruben Neves maybe um, financially might be a good move for them if they might see themselves going down. But if they're going to compete for European spots, it'd be hard to snatch him up from Wolves. But, um, yeah, you make a good point. Uh, the one that <laughs> is so interesting could be scooping up Frankie de Jong from Barcelona and the mess that is Barcelona – um, you could get this amazing 23-year-old kid, and he could totally change your midfield, I think. I mean, that's totally a viable option if they'd be willing to splash some cash on Frankie de Young. But as we'll talk about soon, it's just who even knows what they could do with him coming from Barcelona. So there are logical signings that could still happen. It just seems like they have no identity right now, and they have 20 days to figure it out. Otherwise... They're going to be playing no Champions League football with Cristiano Ronaldo on the team. Who, what's what kind of inspiration is he going to play with if he's not playing Champions League football or has a team that he feels good about? 
And therein lies the problem, I think, with Man United is Cristiano Ronaldo and his morale about how he feels about the team. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, Steve, you brought up a couple of players for that other midfield position, like the holding versus the number eight that they also sort of want to overhaul, it seems. Uh, go take it away. Yeah. I mean, someone that they've, again, been linked with for forever, as well as Ruben Neves, <laughs> which is funny. I think if they sign Declan Rice, which is like my shot is, but way too late in the transfer market to take a guy like Declan Rice away from a yeah. team like West Ham. But again, talking about things they should have done, should have, should have. Like, honestly, Declan Rice and Ruben Neves in that midfield with Bruno Fernandez. Oh, my God. Um, but no, I'm thinking of a logical reason. Uh, oh, there I go again. Um, a logical choice could be Connor Gallagher um, from Chelsea. Uh, this is a guy that played for Palace last year, played out of his mind for Palace. Uh, incredible uh, midfield player, number eight that this team could use like especially like Manny and I got got rid of Malmata, Matic, like all of these older even if you play him in a depth role and sub him on like are you really going to start Christian Eriksen <laughs> like I don't know this is a move I think that makes sense he's young um and doesn't doesn't really probably have the, too much of a shout in getting in the top I mean the first team for Chelsea right now still Mm-mm. but man united is not chelsea like it is they are not in the same they're not in the top four race i don't i don't know it's only one week gone by but Connor gallagher is a guy that makes his team better can take the pressure receive release the ball i just don't i just don't get it and another one that just came to the top of my head not a midfielder striker or whatever is um neto from wolves I mean, we keep talking about Wolves, but I think of Jota going to Liverpool. And I don't know, like these low-risk signings that have been in the Premier League, like the 20 million, the 15, I don't know. Yeah. Just just don't make sense. But yeah, Connor Gallagher is a guy that I think can make this team better. And you have your obvious signings like the Declan Rice and the Ruben Neves. Like those two players have been linked with Man United the past three years. Yeah, and I think Connor Gallagher would start. I think he'd fit right in. I think he'd literally make Tomini out. See ya. There's some uh, good dead weight that they could take from Tottenham I'd be willing to give away in the name of Tengen Dombele. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about Man. saying that. I thought about saying that. <laughs> but if that is Bele, a move that they would do. That is a but, move that they would do. But if Dombele can't take Tottenham, and like the pressure, like all of his like off field issues and stuff. I don't know why man you would touch him, but who knows? It's Man United. <sighs> Frick. There was someone I read a quote this week from a player who said that he is one of the most talented players in the world, but he just does not have that like he's just lazy, is what it kind of comes down to. But he said that on the field, like this guy is magical, one of the most talented players. He just does not have the ability to I don't know, it's just the inspiration to play with Tottenham. I don't know. But, yeah, he is someone... I mean, we can talk about Balotelli. Balotelli. Same, yeah. I mean, shoot. Um, but let's let's move on from the pity party that is Man United. Uh, and let's focus on something that's a bit more dramatic and playing out in the public eye, which is insane right now. Uh, talking about Barcelona, and they've had just a wild ride since the pandemic started. Uh I mean, their Champions League losses that we could go on about going from 8-2 to two against uh, Bayern Munich in the COVID season. Then you had 
the 19 collapse against Liverpool, <laughs> against Liverpool. Um, they've had just these incredible fallouts in the Champions League. They lose Messi to PSG because of their financial situation, of which they're like over a billion dollars in debt. So let's begin there, knowing that Barcelona is a billion plus dollars in debt, and La Liga have very strict salary regulations. So Barcelona have been activating these things called levers, and they began by selling off 20%, 25% of their domestic TV rights to an investment firm called The Sixth Street for 25 years. That is a very long time to have a quarter of their TV rights revenue going to one company. They then sold off 24.5% of Barca Studios, which is their in-house like production company. You know, They sold that to the company Socios, and they have now raised over 600 million euros. They recently signed a new sponsorship deal that you may have noticed on their shirt and their stadium with Spotify. And last year, the club took out a 500 million euro loan from Goldman Sachs to spread out their debt repayments. All of this over a long period of time. So they won't re- really be making short-term money, but long-term, they need to be getting out of that debt so they can perform on the field now. Um, so they want to be competitive while also trying to adhere to the league regulations. However, despite all their work to do so, the debt is still too high for them to operate at like a one-to-one ratio. So essentially this means that the players that they've tried to bring in this summer being Lewandowski, Andres Christensen, uh, Kessie, Rafinha, um, who am I missing? I'm missing a fifth one, I think. Um, and then also the re-signing of uh, Dembele and Sergio Roberto means they can't register these players to play this season for Barcelona. So that is a mess, which now means <laughs> they might have to activate a fourth lever, um, which... Pull the lever, Kronk! Pull the lever! <laughs> Wrong lever! <laughs> uh, they've been pulling too many levers, and so they're acting like Emperor's New Groove with Kronk and Yzma, and they're probably more than likely going to have to sell off an additional 24.5% of their Barca Studios revenue, which even then may not be enough for Barcelona to generate enough revenue for all their incoming transfers. So they might have to sign some and let some go, like Andres Christensen might have to go sign with a different club or something. Um, unless they can generate revenue through outgoing transfers, like I mentioned, Frankie de Jong, or restructuring, restructuring their contracts with players like Pique, um, Ter Stegen, and so on. So huh, that's a mouthful. And I tried oh, wow. to dumb that down as best as possible for you guys, but they have until August 31st to settle these issues. So get your popcorn ready. It could be a wild finish of the window. This is seriously that I can recall, unlike anything we've seen before with the club. Barcelona is arguably the biggest, if not one of the biggest clubs in the entire world. And they have been irresponsible financially. They've been overrun with debt. They've had the fallout with their old president, Bartomeu, Laporta coming in to try and salvage the club, declaring the club dead basically financially and then him trying to do whatever voodoo magic he can do to get this team back into contention to play champions league football and try and win la liga which has been more than a high ask issue recently so guys we need to break this down a bit and talk about barcelona what do we make of their current financial predicament and how do they need to manage it just starting out to get through this window what needs to happen for barcelona 
I don't know if they can. I don't know how you do that. Um, I even saw something recently, and I won't go into, into depth about it, but you can look it up. The Athletic reported, which is one of the top reporting groups, that Barcelona is going to involve Frankie de Jong in some legal action because he signed a contract that was offered to him from the old group that owned Barcelona, which they all have a weird ownership thing. It's too much to get into now. Um, but that the wages and the wage structure that they had agreed upon was not correct or like illegal, basically. And so they're going to basically be suing Frankie de Jong and the previous owner. I don't know. I don't know how you get out of it. They have to register five players and one of them is the best striker in the world. Robert Lewandowski. Mm. Um, one of them is the best young players in the world. Is it Frank Kessier? Is that how you pronounce it, Steve? Yeah. They have Obama Yang now, who you know is on monster wages. Frankie de Jong is on monster wages. I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna do it. They will have to sell. My prediction is they will have to sell some of those players that they got this summer that they brought in because they will not be able to register them. And I don't know what you I don't know what you do from there. So man, you go make a bid for Kessier and Frankie Dion. Hell, bring them both in because honestly. They, they have Torres, Jules, why not? Have, I don't know. Yeah, they have Jules Koundé <laughs> that they can't register, I don't think. That I don't know Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, who almost went to City or somewhere. Like, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see it going well, Steve. Um, they're worse with money than I am. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're terrible <laughs> with money. Um, you see them sell. They're, I still think they'll still have the highest – outgoing transfer fee in for Neymar of what that is um, and how they spent even just how you spend that money. Like it, it's just, it's all just indicative of this club is at. but however, I will give them props. They had a good season last year. Like there's a lot of positives in this club and Chavi at the helm, the players seem to really like and respect them. And if they can somehow figure out to sort out this financial mess, they have a very, very good team. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know why I would assume that soccer is a corrupt sport <laughs> and that the top tier teams can figure out ways to. No. Um, I mean, <laughs> There's I, no history of that. No, I just, I think a part of me just expects them to, as a bar, if I was a Barcelona fan, um, Seth McIntyre, looking at you, uh, if I was a Barcelona fan, I'd be like, figure it out. I don't know. Just figure it out. I don't care how. Just figure it out. I want all these players on my team. Sell, sell the rights. I'll give you my child. I don't know. Like that's how they think about <laughs> football over there. So, literally, I don't know. It's not a good look right now. I don't know what's going on. They did the same thing in threatening Messi last year or two years ago with, with legal action with his whole thing. They're talisman. So, there's nothing this club won't do, whether for bluffing purposes or whatever, but they were able to get all of these very good signings in um, over the summer. And it's not like if I'm a Kunde or 
like, these these players know the financial issues of Barcelona, but they still have the power and the attraction of that pedigree of being a club. Like people are wanting to go there, and they don't know how they're going to get paid. That's what's happening right now, which is insane. They're applying yeah. for jobs without offer letters. Like they're they're like they're like yeah sure just come play for Barcelona, and that still carries so much weight. So for that reason, like we're saying this now, and at the end of the year, they could have won La Liga. I mean. I don't know. I mean, in, compar- in comparing the clubs of Man United and Barcelona, it's like, I'd rather be a Barca fan. They still like had the chances of getting knocked out in these quarterfinal Champions League games. They still have a very talented squad right now. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is what Man United's scared of, but I can. I just expect them to figure it out. Yeah, and Cole, I'll, I'll pass this to you, but think about this. I, I heard this today. It's sort of like this because they're so massive, like you just said, Steve, that they have all this pull, but they, they're they sort of like bears in, in the, like the economic like market sense. Like They have to spend money and invest money to make money, right? Yeah, spend money so to make money, maybe. So, but, but they're willing to invest millions and millions and millions and not make it up. So at some point, right, like the balancing of the books is going to catch up. Um, but like it's almost like an ego thing, right? It, it's because if this were my club, I'd say we have one of the best academies in the world that we've built. We have the best women's team in the world, arguably, with amazing support. We have other ways of making money. And again, going back to just men's soccer – like the academy part, they are pumping out talent. You have a 16-year-old starting for Barcelona. What? Gabby. What? And there's more of those. They have more of them. They don't need Jules Kunde. They don't need a lot of these players that they're buying. Honestly, honestly, they don't. However, Xavi as a coach is probably demanding that. Any, any top-tier coach is going to be demanding signings, right? Money. And again, like that's part of the ego thing because they don't want a coach that's up and coming or anything, right? It has to be top tier, which you can get by, by, by with that. But like, then it's about buying the names. It's about buying all the stuff. It's like this ego of Barcelona is just keeping like, it's like drowning them. It's like, they don't, they can't go back. They like, they can't take a step back and be like, oh, we can, we can make good decisions here. We can make sound financial decisions. It's like the ego is is driving the brand that is Barcelona. And before we know it, they're not going to be owned by Barcelona anymore. They will be owned by Nike or I don't know. Like they'll be owned by they'll be owned by Apple or something. I don't I have no idea. And it's crazy for me to even think too, their ambitions. They want to do like a one or two billion dollar renovation on the camp new as well. Yeah, they do. And I'm just like, Dude. how? How are you gonna do all this? And that's just like, <laughs> I don't. I literally don't understand. I don't. There's zero sense to what is going on there. And it's like, you can't operate this way, especially in the, like we've talked about these La Liga regulations. Like it just none of this makes sense. It can't be feasible. And yet here we are talking about them trying to make it feasible. And yeah, in 25 years, when all these deals are up about, you know, revenue sharing, 
You gotta pay Barcelona, up. Barcelona either will not exist as a club, which would be nah, they will. Ins- I mean, I'm. It would be insane. Um, clubs can fold. Um, yeah. I, I on that, and I'll let you keep going. I heard something today. If they were owned by the structure that owns them or something, they would be bankrupt and no longer exist. Yep, it's insane. Fact. So. It's really like you have to think with that long like lens of, you know, beyond just now, which they're thinking they're acting like a 15 year old or a 16 year old. that just got like a new job or something. They want to spend all the money that they're making. It's just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then forgetting, well, if I go and spend a hundred dollars this weekend, then I'll have no money to, you know, pay for gas or whatever. It's just like, it's just insane that they've been going through this process for the past two years and, not forgetting the Super League that they wanted guaranteed revenue income every single year, and they were a top player in that, and probably still are. So mm, it's just definitely. it's just wild. I don't have words to describe really anymore what's going on, but I do think that if we glossed over this as a soccer community, then you might just think it's Barcelona doing Barcelona things. But I really do think this club will be in deep trouble um, very soon if they're not careful, and they might not exist in ten years' time as they do now. Um, which is a crazy thought to have, but I could be overreacting, but I do think that, you know, this money is piling up quickly and if they can't find a way, things will be south very quickly. Um, but speaking about those overreactions that I might be having, I want to hear from you guys as well. Um, some of our big premier league overreactions from match week one, I'll start. Um, we saw Bournemouth take on your club, Brandon Aston Villa. They got out to a quick start within like a minute and a half or two minutes, getting a quick goal. And finishing yeah. out the game, I think 2-0 if it was, yeah. um, which my reaction then involves the second part being Southampton getting dismantled by Tottenham 4-1. Uh, James Ward-Prowse got the early goal, which was, as always, just sub, not subpar, uh, sublime, and getting them out to a 1-0 lead, but then really falling apart later in the game, going down 4-1 and losing. And now reports coming out that Ralph Hassenhudel does not have the trust of the locker room. So my overreaction is... You made that name up. Did I? Did I make that up? (laughs) I Um, don't know. My overreaction is that Bournemouth will stay in the Premier League and Southampton will be the ones to go down. Am I a fool for thinking that? You're definitely a fool for thinking that. But am I a fool for thinking Tottenham will challenge Man City and Liverpool for the title? If you ask Antonio Conte, he would say no. Hey. If you were to ask a Man City fan, they would say yes. Um, <laughs> realistically, no. I, I think for real, um, thinking about even what I said, I think that, yeah, Bournemouth, I think, is a big overreaction. I think they're pretty clear-cut to go down. But Southampton, if they don't play their cards right and they continue to have issues in the locker room, they might be contenders to slip down into the championship this season, which would be insane because they've sustained pretty well the past couple of years, even competing – you know, under Pochettino six, seven years ago, however many years it was, mm-hmm. um, crazy if they would be the ones to go down in 2022, 2023. Uh, but Tottenham, you know, they are trying to build a club that is, you know, us like, um, you know, year in and year out are playing Champions League football. Um, they want to be a cornerstone of that. They want to be in the Premier League title race. And so is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> yeah, I still have Tottenham hovering around four or five spot. Um, 
I don't know. It's a great first win. Um, Southampton are bad. Um, we were just talking about them getting relegated. So first week of the season, overreaction. I do not think Tottenham. I don't think Tottenham will touch Man City's academy for the title this year. Uh, in my in my opinion, again, I think they're so far ahead. Um, but my overreactions uh, after this first week, um, I don't know. Does uh, Mitrovic reach Cole's uh, projected Ooh. 18 goal mark in the Premier League, scoring the double against our Liverpool Reds? Uh, ended up in a 2 2 tie. But the question being are Liverpool in trouble? Are they in trouble or is it just first game of the season? Fulham's coming out on fire game at Craven cottage and Mitrovic was in full effect. What do y'all think? I mean, it looked like Van Dyke forgot how to play defense. (laughs) (laughs) Like he had never been on the field before. Can we agree? It was a penalty. Oh, for sure. It was a penalty. Thank you. No doubt. But it was just like, my guy looked like he had never seen a player come at him and just, I've never seen him make a decision like that in my life, which is insane. Yeah. Um, Like that was worse than something Serge Aria would do with Tottenham, you know, like (laughs) this bad. No, but really I think uh, they will need to settle in a little bit. Um, Even the goals they scored weren't even good goals, to be honest. Like they weren't like, you know, Liverpool team play goals. Um, They're Mm -hmm. pretty sporadic, which people making fun of Darwin Nunes, um, the back was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing does he intend to do or not? You know, they scored the goals, which is what matters. But you know, Liverpool without Sadio Mane, are they going to be able to click like they would um, with him and Salah up top? And now they have Jota, Nunez, and um, Salah. So we'll see. But is the panic button being pressed? No. But if they're not careful, you know, come January and February, if they're six points back in Man City. I would be pretty quick to say that they probably aren't going to have the same shot they do that they did last season. Yeah, as much as I want Mitrovic to score 18 goals, I still don't think he will. Um, so I'm not going to overreact there. Hope he does. Um, He's on pace for 76, so. <laughs> Good for him. Um, Liverpool, look, Liverpool does this thing where they look shaky and then they hit a unbeaten run the rest of the season. So... I have no reason to expect otherwise that that's going to happen. So no, I'm not going to overreact there either. And I'm going to double dip on overreactions into Leicester city going two two against Brentford. Are we worried? This is for my man, Trey. I feel like the only time we see Leicester city in the transfer rumors are players coming out. Nobody really coming in. Are we worried about Leicester City going into the year? This is a team that really has been a Champions League team, Europa League team. And is this their dissension back down into middle of the table slash outside of the top 10? What do y'all think? Or is it just too much too early to tell? And if I'm not mistaken, I think they were up to nothing and then let in two goals to give up the lead. I'm, I'm pretty not sure. Mistaken. Um, yes, they will definitely be slipping. I, don't, I think I put them mid table, maybe 10th or 11th um, in my season predictions. Go look those up. Cole, Cole did some great posts on, on Instagram for that. Thank you, Cole. Um, 
but yeah, I think, I think they are definitely in trouble. They have to be bringing a, a player or two in before this window and they will be, um, you know, not, not, a, I don't want to say a no name, but someone we're not super familiar with probably. And they will play really, really well for Lester. Um, I do think they will be middle of the table though. Yes. I don't think it's an overreaction, but I think if we look at the same thing that happened last year, Brentford, first game of the season, beats Arsenal at home. Their first game back in the Premier League, they beat them. I'm watching the All or Nothing series with Arsenal right now. I recommend it. But Arsenal fans, they got to off to a terrible start, and people are saying, you know, is Arteta the man for the job? Is it, you know, like, should we fire him, basically, at the beginning of the season? And that was a very young Arsenal team, and there's still some young players with Leicester, but I really think that they are trajecting the opposite way that Arsenal did last season. They should be worried. Um, Leicester has guys, I talked about this in the Premier League preview, they have expiring contracts. You have aging players like Jamie Vardy in particular, and you have Brendan Rodgers, who's a little unsettled because of the lack of movement in the transfer window. So, yes, I'm worried about their European positions, if they're going to be worthy of you know capturing one of those spots, but... Are they worried for the long term for the season? I just, again, those factors matter, but I'm not pressing the panic button yet with them. I still think that they have a solid squad. If Yuri Tielemann stays, if Vardy can be healthy, if James Madison stays in place to his level of play that we know he can, I think that they'll still be fine, but they do have some thin ice that they're walking on with some of those players, and they will be um, in trouble if those pieces don't connect like they would last season. Um, those are good points, though. Those are good points. I'm glad to hear those overreactions. Um, the last bit, we'll talk about the Premier League today, uh, kind of previewing the upcoming match week, too, some clubs that are playing. I think the biggest match for the weekend is Chelsea versus Tottenham. Tottenham goes to Stanford Bridge, which they lost last time they are there. I was in attendance. I was pretty sad, but a pretty cool experience nonetheless. Uh, Chelsea has dominated recently. I think they beat Tottenham five times last season, um, which is never a good feeling as any fan of any club no matter where you are. Um, but it's a revamped Tottenham squad versus a Chelsea team that um, is looking to improve upon that season, bringing in Raheem Sterling, uh, shipping out Timo Werner and Lukaku. So some question marks up top, but looking to um, to solidify their defense, even with the return of Ben Chilwell and now the introduction of Kalidou Kalubali, Um this weekend, I think, is going to be a huge test for both clubs. Coming week two is pretty insane. Uh, what do you guys see from this matchup coming up? I think it'll be a great early season marker to see where both of these teams are. Uh, I can see a draw, to be honest. Um, but I hope it's electric. I hope it's like a 2-2, uh, which I could easily see. Uh, it's going to be a chess match between the, the managers, but... You know, you can never tell with these early season ones, but I think I think we'll know where both these teams are at after this game. Yeah, I think the mad Italian is released this game. Antonio <laughs> Conte coming back to his former club where he's won championships at ended up getting sacked there. I think he's going to be like a shark smelling blood in the water. And after Chelsea's shaky first week performance, if I'm Conte, I am throwing everything I got at Chelsea, everything at uh, Thiago Silva and Kalubla in the back. 
I'm throwing Sun. I'm throwing Kulisevsky. I'm throwing Kane. My subs are all wingers and attackers. I'm trying to get in there. Um, and not to put too much pressure on this game, but this is huge. If Chelsea loses to Tottenham, Tottenham's able to get that uh, that monkey off their back away at Sanford Bridge. That's gigantic. Um, incredible implications. Conte knows that. I, for some reason, I don't think Tuchel knows that. Uh, so I think, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that Tottenham's going to go into this game. Guns a-blazing. Um, maybe they can see two or three, but I think they're going to go in and score a lot. I think it's going to be an amazing game. Yeah, and I'll say something real quick too. Uh, we've talked about Tottenham before. Their inability to you know put teams away in the past. And I think if they can put Chelsea away this season then they can be title contenders, I think. Because they've shown last season, they were the best team against Liverpool and Man City combined with the entire league. They did better against them than anyone else, the whole league combined. If they can include a draw today and a win against Chelsea and Tottenham later this season, or even just two draws, could be season-defining, I think, for them, and could be what propels them to that next level, whether it be the third spot or title contention, I think. So tomorrow, or sorry, not tomorrow, this weekend will be massive for them. And again, will be that litmus test for what Tottenham is as a club and where they're going. So it's going to be an incredible match to watch. I'm sure um, I will be watching it without a doubt. Hopefully you guys as viewers tune in. Um, But Brandon, fill us in on Aston Villa versus Everton. This is a team that you had high aspirations for coming into the season. Um, Were you overreacting after week one or what do they need to be looking for against Everton this second game? You know, we, we didn't look great. Uh, Villa, that is. Aston Villa did not look great the first week. Um, you'd expect them to look good. But I will say, uh, newly promoted team, as we saw with Fulham and Liverpool, it's it's always hard to win those those games, especially on a first game week. Um, Aston Villa versus Everton, pretty historic matchup. Two massive clubs. It's at Villa. The place is going to be rocking, hopefully. Um, and I think we're unbeaten in five in our last five times versus them. So things are looking up for us this game. Um, however, we cannot lose. Uh, one thing Villa did last year that was just awful. And Steven Gerrard needs to figure it out is that you cannot lose games, at least tie. <laughs> you, you, you need to tie games. It's okay to tie games. You're not at Rangers or, or Celtic anymore, right? You don't, you're not, it's not the two-team race. You need points, so we need to tie games. So I could also see this one being a tie. I think we'll win 2 nothing though. It's going to be a good game, hopefully, but I don't know. Who would be in more trouble after a potential loss in this fixture between Villa and Everton? Uh, Steve, are you there? <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just um, I was just thinking. Of, anyways, uh, yeah. No, I think it's definitely Villa, right? If Villa lose back-to-back games to start the season off, they are going to be in the doghouse. And Steven Gerrard, that is. Um, I agree. I, agree. I mean, Steven Gerrard. I mean, Liverpool, man. You can't lose to the Everton on the Mersey side, right? Let's go. I think that's got to be the mentality he's coming into this game. Coaching, I think he'll translate that to the players. Um, coaches like to talk about how their former clubs, uh, like careers and whatnot, Steven Gerrard being with Liverpool, don't run deep in their coaching career. But I call BS on that. I think this game means more. 
And yeah, I think Villa will come out and um, really stop playing around. Uh, Everton, Frank Lampard. I don't think Frank Lampard's a great coach. I just said it. Um, yeah, I think Villa's going to walk away with the win. Uh, I like that 2-0 scoreline. Uh, yes, I think Everton is going to lose. However, if they start Delhi Alley, they will win 6-0. to <laughs> Also, this is Stevie G versus Frank Lampard, the first time they are meeting as coaches and not players. And I think they had some good run-ins in their, their playing career. So the game's honestly probably more important to the coaches than it might be to the, to the teams this, this go-round. That's a good point. And the last one we'll look forward to in the Premier League. Um, actually, maybe we'll start. Uh, Brentford versus Man United. Oh. Uh, this one, I kind of talked about how Brentford, you know, coming off a good start and Man United coming off the poor start against Brighton. Uh, is this the time where Man United and Ten Hag find their footing in the Premier League? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'll let Steve answer because I don't know. Uh, what an emotional return it will be uh, for Christian Eriksen um, to his long-term club, Brentford. No, uh, I think Man United lose. I'm rolling with it. I'm rolling with the with the wagon downhill. It's it's huge for Ten Hag. I think Ronaldo starts, though. If Ronaldo starts, I'll say this. If Ronaldo starts, Man United win. If Ronaldo sits on the bench again, like, I honestly think that will infect the team. The Ronaldo eye roll from the sideline with the $50,000 earring in his ear, I just is like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. He's a personality, right? Like, you want to know what Ronaldo looks like in the locker room? going into a game that he knows he's sitting on the bench for, it's probably awkward. Like Ronaldo is just the biggest personality in the room. So if he starts, I got them winning. If he doesn't, I'm going with a Man United loss. It's huge for Ten Hag. Yeah. Danger, 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 danger. I think they're in. Yeah. He'll be in some deep water if he's not careful against Brentford. Um, Maybe look at this last one. Brighton taking on Newcastle. Brighton off that victory over Man United. Newcastle looking strong, uh, continuing their form from last season. Eddie Howe's got the boys rolling. Um, I really think they will keep it going. I think Newcastle's going to be a, a contender this year for a European spot, really. I think if they can stay healthy, um, players like Kyrian Trippier especially, um, is going to be the force that propels this team into relevance. Um, I think I have them winning this game probably 2-0 over Brighton. Yeah, again, sort of like the Chelsea-Tottenham game. This might actually be the second-best game of the weekend. Yeah. Um, this will be a great marker to see where these teams are. I hate to repeat myself, but really, are they both you know, middle-of-the-road teams? Are they going to be mid-table? Or is Brighton going to keep pushing and go higher? Like, they play great, great football. I mean, who knows? You just said Newcastle for Europe. I don't think so, but again, if you can go take it to Brighton and win two nothing or something, you just smacked around Nottingham Forest like they were nothing. So, oof, I don't know. I don't know who I who I'd choose to win. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it up in the air. We'll see this weekend. I think this is going to be a very entertaining one-one draw. I think Glenn Potter is just a great coach. I think these are the kinds of games that's going to get this guy that big profile job in the next two or three years or so. Um, uh, Graham Potter, uh, ex excuse my French. Uh, yeah, but 
he's he's a great coach honestly one of the best in the prim right now um goes and beats man united last year and he he's a coach last year that people are starting to realize that this guy knows what's going on he's taking brighton and he's actually building steam around this team to build them to last um and yeah i think it's gonna be a very entertaining one one draw newcastle um with the all the money backing that they've had over the new takeover and Brighton is just that God, I was going to go back on that Brentford man United game. Like these teams like Brentford or, or Brighton, it's like you, you almost go into these games with not having anything to lose uh, being the underdog and you can play more freely and go for games. And that's, what's so fun about watching these kinds of teams and Newcastle, you know, great first week of the season as well. I think it's going to be a very, very exciting game. Uh, but I got it as a 1-1 draw. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Well, fellas, as we like to do, we're going to take it back over the pond to the MLS and get a little Premier League, sorry, a little MLS preview, a little uh, kind of midway point. Not, it's a little past midway point. We just had an MLS All-Star weekend. Um, up in Minnesota, the MLS All-Stars took on Liga MX and beat them 2-1. to one. Uh, Vela got the start um, with an early header to put them up. And then I can't remember who got the second goal. It was a penalty, Rudy I believe. Diaz. Was it really Diaz in the penalty spot? Yeah. Um, so the Americans, as you could say, took home the win over Liga MX. But as it stands right now, as we begin this kind of split of the season towards the later half of it, uh, Philadelphia is currently leading the East with 45 points. They're right above NYCFC at 42. Montreal sitting with 40 points and New York Red Bulls with 37. And the East is tight. Uh, I think once you get past those couple of top spots, you know, what, five to like 10 or 11 is like within points. Last. I think yeah, last is in, like three points. It's like a three point difference. Insane. Point difference so so the East is really, really close to you, which is great fun to watch. Um, MLS could be fun coming down to that playoff stretch as we are now. And the West, we have LAFC with the acquisitions of Gareth Bale and Chiellini. And I think they just brought in someone else. I think I can't remember. Um, Sim with 51 points top the West Austin FC, which, Hey, we talked about them earlier on the uh, program in the spring talking about if we should believe the hype or not. And they are sitting second with 45 points. And then a sizable gap between third um, down nine points is FC Dallas with 36 and Minnesota with 35. So lots of great soccer to be played MLS if you consider it to be great. And the Golden Brute race um, is probably three people that you would never have guessed um, would be atop it. I don't even know who Jerissi is, to be honest, but I know who Brendan Vasquez is and Ebuesi, um with 16 goals, 14 goals, and 13 um, is crazy that these three names are top of the list you don't have the familiar ones like carlos vela uh, chicharito joseph martinez and now tati castellanos has gone so fresh names atop the list um along with the assist totals we got uh, luciano acosta with 14 carlos hill with 12 and we have wagner with 11 so guys that's where we sit you know statistically at the table at the mls at this point um are you guys surprised but what i anything i just read off not by the east or in, and or west, intrigued, or maybe intrigued. Not by the east and west, like standings, really. Um, except maybe Montreal in third. That's that's sort of surprising. Um, but yeah, the Golden Boot, the top three for that is extremely surprising. Brandon Vasquez, um, young American 
striker for Cincinnati, used to be on Atlanta United. 14 goals, excuse me, what? Um, and then Luciano Caso assisting him with 14 assists, 14 and 14. Man, they got it going on up there in Cincinnati. I guess down there for me. But. <laughs> Does uh, If Brennan Vasquez gets 20-ish plus goals – does he do enough to earn a World Cup spot? Yeah, yeah. Ferreira will not make the U.S. men's national team roster going into World Cup if Brandon Vasquez scores 20 goals. Yes. I'll say this. It's worth a World Cup roster for somebody. Uh, you hope it's the United States. Brandon Vasquez sitting down with Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar uh, over MLS All-Star Weekend saying the door is wide open for Mexico. This is a man that has still not chosen a national team. United States fans, you should be worried. Um, when asked the question plainly, um, talking about international soccer, is the door open for, the Me- for Mexico? And he said, Yes, absolutely. I have Mexico running in my blood. My family's from Mexico, strong ties, grew up watching Liga and Mekis since he has made the move to Atlanta and the Youth Academy and now to Cincinnati. Um, and growing up in America, um, he he's has swag in that interview. You should go and watch it on Football Americas. That's swag, um, he, he has swagger in the conversation. Hercules Gomez asks him the question of what can you bring to the national team? And he said, goals, hold up play, creativity. Like, and he, the answers are firm. He knows his worth, and you'll love to see that in a player. Um, so, again, Brandon Vasquez has not yet declared who he is playing for. Um, he did go on to say that U.S. has made contact with him and have been in conversation with him. And basically, Greg Berhalter also coming out and saying, listen, specifically about Brandon Vasquez, if he keeps scoring goals, he's coming. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, 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 you know, but actions speak louder than words, right? So I think that's the biggest takeaway from all of these stats and whatnot. Luciano Costa having an amazing back ba- uh, rebound year, uh, the player that we all know he can be. Uh, I'll shout out Brandon, the early season prediction of Luciano Costa having that ability. Um, and let's not forget Gerardo Bobasi, a U.S. player, 13 goals. Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Has made caps for the United States men's national team before. Um, so that's definitely what's most exciting to me, probably because Atlanta United is going off being Seattle one week and then just getting thrashed another week. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm focusing on right now are individual players performances. It's interesting. So I'm going to take it back to Brendan Vasquez. I didn't even know that was part of the discussion with him. And when I started thinking about it, he would be an insane fit, I think, for that Mexican national team. I think like oh, he'd yeah. be a player that I feel like his profile physically would be a player that Mexico probably hasn't had before. Oh my gosh. Yes. Which this is just like, if I'm Brendan Vasquez, just thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, go to freaking Mexico, dude. Like, yeah. people in the US will not give him i feel like the same you know feelings like heck we talk about jordan pfog can't even get into the freaking national team with him leading 
in the Champions best striker. League. Going, like, it's insane that he's been scoring 25 goals last year or something like that, and he is having struggle breaking through. So if I'm Mexico, heck yeah, I'm trying to get Brandon Vasquez. He could change the outlook of that team in the future, especially coming up to the World Cup. If I'm Tata Martino, like, you know, I'm at least going to take a chance on him maybe. I don't know. Just depends on their needs. They've had enough issues. What if he could be the spark to help them um, in the upcoming World Cup? That'd be an insane turnaround and maybe a huge opportunity to change his career, which could maybe get him to Europe if he continues to perform well. Mm. I don't know. And I'll say this too. Like, again, he says he wants to go to Europe. He said, I want to go to Europe. I want to play in top leagues, and I'm going to play in Champions League games. He Again, he the swag in the interview of what he wants – and he knows what he's doing when asked the specific question. Literally, Hercules Gomez in the interview, not just Sebastian, like Sebastian Salazar was like, oh, like, well, I kind of want to ask what kind of national team. And Hercules goes, ask him, like right in front of Brandon. <laughs> it's like, ask him, like, what national team are you talking about? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and so he knows what he's doing. Brandon Vasquez is trying the United States' hand of, listen, I'm scoring goals. I know what I'm worth. I'm a strong presence up top, hold up play, statistically one of the best hold up players in the MLS. I know who I am and kind of trying Mexico's hand as well. I don't have the Mexican tabloids pulled up in front of me, but I'm sure after that interview, it's wildfire down there about Brandon Vasquez. Mm. Yeah, he's a younger, fitter, better looking Raul Jimenez. So, um, I Again, think he'd fit perfectly in Mexico. I think he'd fit, fit perfectly in the United States, to be honest. And played in we'll Tijuana see. before making the move to Atlanta United when he was 16. So, again, this is this is a guy that's very familiar with Mexico. It's insane. Well, we're going to begin to wrap things up real quick here with our MLS Fast Five. You guys, if you've been around, have seen us do this before. Um, and ironically enough, we have Cincinnati taking on Atlanta United. Brendan Vasquez playing his former club. Atlanta traveling up to Cincinnati. Uh, predictions on this one. I have a 2-2 draw. I think Luis Arujo uh, does something to contribute to the squad. Him and Almada link up and get a late equalizer. But I don't think we'll win this one outright as well. I think we need the points as more than anything else. Woo, I think we're losing 2-1 on this one. Brandon Vasquez might have a brace too by the end of it. I'm going to continue on the losing train, and I got 3-1 Cincinnati, a team that's always given Atlanta fits. Even when they finished back-to-back years, worst team in the league, Atlanta finds a way to drop points against Cincinnati. So when we're talking about a golden boot leader and a guy who's almost who is leading the league in assists, I expect a 3-1 loss. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe is this Cincinnati's year to take on LAFC in its MLS title? Who's to say? Uh, (laughs) Philadelphia versus Chicago. I was going to say, sorry. If Atlanta United wants to make the playoffs, they better start picking up points. They better better start start winning games. (laughs) That would be helpful. Uh, Philadelphia taking on Chicago. The Union sitting first in the East. Chicago almost dead last. Uh, I have Union winning 1-0 and moving on from that one. Um, Union win three nothing. Um, I'll put some respect on Chicago's current playoff team as things stands, as they are seventh in the East. They're seventh uh, now. That's oh right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seventh I've in the East. The- 
Chicago Fire uh, still lose to Philadelphia. No, actually, I'll go a tie. I'll go a tie. I'll do a one-one wow. draw. Chicago just trying to stay above that playoff line. Man, I didn't know they had a surge. I thought they were still in the bottom of the table. And I don't I know bet. if they still have their goalkeeper. Is he at Chelsea he was, right now, or has he come back? He was sold to Chelsea, but he'll be there through December. Oh, okay. So it's through the season. Uh, Miami taking on NYCFC. Higuain coming off of a hat trick the week before. Can he replicate his magic against New York? Um, sure, he'll score a goal. Um, <laughs> but it's still going to be a 1-1 draw. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how NYCFC has been without Tati. Uh, 2-1 Miami. <laughs> uh, New York currently sitting at two, Miami at nine. I think I don't know. I just love the dysfunctionality. We've been talking about dysfunctional clubs this episode a lot, and Miami fits that bill for the MLS. So I'll go. I'll go Yankees. Um, Yankees second team um, take the win over Miami, uh, two to one. Yeah, they honestly could put their little MLS champions oh, thing and make it a, make, oh, they no. can make it a patch on their jersey. It's so small. It's so toxic. Um, <laughs> anyways, LA Galaxy taking on Vancouver. Um, the Galaxy trying to find some way they can replicate what LAFC is doing in Los Angeles. Can they start off the season? Start of the season, the post MLS All Star break strong. No, they can't. Vancouver is going to steal a win at home and go 2-0 over the Galaxy. I think we'll see the new signing for the LA Galaxy. The young, I think he's 23, from Barcelona. Puig, I believe is his last name. Ricky. Um, insane signing, first of all. Also just shows to uh, shows you how bad Barcelona actually is. Selling their good young talent. <laughs> um, trying to fit hey, in. We've moved on from Barcelona. Talent. Sorry. Um, LA Galaxy will win 2 to nothing. Yeah, this will be a fun game. Both these teams sitting on 30 points. Both of these teams, if they get a win, are in the playoff conversation at the last spot right now in the West. That's why it's important. I'm going to go with LA. The momentum around the new signing, like Brandon touched on. Um, I'll go with a 2-1 victory over Vancouver. Hey, Vancouver also just won the Canadian Cup. And they have Julian Gressel on their team now. So they might have some momentum. So be careful. Watch out for the Whitecaps. Last one on this Fast Five is New York Red Bull versus Orlando. Um, Red Bull sit in fourth. And Orlando's what, six right now or something like that? Eight. Um, one eight. spot below the playoff line. So Orlando needs points, just like a lot of teams in the East do. Um, however, they'll only get one. They'll tie 2-2 two -two with Red Bull. Um, Pato, if he's playing, he'll get a goal, and that'll be the end of that one. I'll go for a one-nothing Orlando win. Actually, Oof. will you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go with. I like Red Bull's defense better, and I'm actually gonna go with a. 2-0 stamp of authority Red Bull win because I hate Orlando. My man, I love it. 
Well, that's the MLS Fast Five from us, three experts on Major League Soccer. No, we're not, just having fun. And that is going to wrap us up on the Bad Fan today. Uh, so support our coverage of the Premier League, the MLS, and other soccer drama like Barcelona's collapse before our eyes by becoming a Bad Fan and subscribing through clicking the bell below this video. That way you're always notified to see new episodes like this one from us, the Bad Fan. Interact with us on Twitter and Instagram with your biggest reactions and thoughts. We just did a Premier League preview. Leave a comment on that. We would love to see what you have to say. And again, I have been Cole Carter. They have been Brandon and Steven. We'll see you guys in the next one. Until then, peace out.